Hello, you're listening to the Consequential Podcast. We're back again. Somehow. Back once again. I, I don't know. With the... I'm not doing it. I, I won't... You're too white to do that. Yeah. This is Roger, the mumbling one. Lucy's the other one. Hi. Um, did you know that there are three Pink Floyd songs that mention an Ida Down? You've been saving that up. I've been studying. That's right. brilliant. You see. Do you see? Are you saying that because Pink Floyd did it, it's okay? Uh, pretty much. It's not my normal life metric. Because, I They mean, financed uh, the Holy Grail. Significantly. And so did George Harrison. George Harrison's done a load of right old shit. That's true. David Gilmour's got a really fancy down. boat. Yeah, he can fit a 90-person orchestra on it. He's got a son that upsets the Daily Mail. That's true, he does. This has been the Pink Floyd chat element of the show. If you um, want more, though, please email me. I'm really into Pink Floyd at the moment. Okay. Um, so I just like a good idea down. Hmm. We're going to talk about some comics. So uh, we're back from Thought Bubble. Um, we've been back for a while. We haven't just been in Leeds for two weeks, lost, God, confused, screaming. Yeah, I, I, I want more time in Leeds to do Leeds stuff, not Thought Bubble stuff. I, I just stay at Bundaburst. Yeah. I just pack my face with they those have opera fries because, oh my God, those are good. If you're in Leeds, just do that. Um, so today we're going to hurtle through quickly some new comics. and then They're covered in like a lot of that. I'm sure, and salt and pepper, and they're just so zingy, but they're not gluey. They've got the okra fried really hot in gram flour. I believe you. This has been the okra fry section of the podcast. Uh, we're we're going to introduce the uh, the inaugural uh, Lucy Boys Five Pounds Challenge, which is not as bad as it sounds. Could be worse. Um, where we've both brought Lucy back a comic from Thought Bubble, and we're going to try and uh, see... Entice me to delights. Yeah, basically. Basically, see who, who nailed your taste better there. Oh, I didn't even try. You're an asshole. You're an unbelievable asshole. What have you been reading? I nearly bought the one with all the bongs on the front, but it turned out to be boring. Who would have thought? <laughs> Look, people who are stoned right now, they don't create anything anymore. They just play Hearthstone. It's fine. I've started creating things again. You're not stoned at the moment. Not right now, but I am stoned when I'm creating things. That's good. It's pretty rad. I just can't keep track. As this, well, I, I should have known from the Pink Floyd, really. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm going through some stuff. Okay. Hart. So, um, Roger, tell us, what have you been reading? I, I've been reading a few things. Um, I've not got through my entire Thought World Hall yet. Uh, there's some really exciting <laughs> things I picked up that I've not managed to get to yet. All of the improper stuff, Malt, Bone China, not, not quite yet. Um, That's improper books, the publishers, not filth, by the way. No, 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 no. Improper are fantastic. We rave about them a lot, and they have their second volumes out of Thought World, which shamefully I've not read yet. I'll cover them on the next podcast. So, um, I've read a couple of things that weren't from Thought World. One thing that I didn't think was Thought Bubble, and then we met the creators there, and they were absolutely lovely. Um, a couple of other odds and ends. I'll just spin through it. The most one of the most interesting things I picked up was Limbo by and it's it's the issue one it's on um, it's on Image it's um, by Dan Waters I think or possibly Waters there are two T's in the middle I don't know what you do more with that. T's than we need it's it's like it's over provisioned I would argue yeah. um, and um, and Casper Wingard I think again there's there's some stuff going on with the letters there but vowels and consonants you guys have some ostentatious names it's nice I like it. Yeah. They were good dudes. They were good dudes. We interviewed them. We did. 
Shall we go to that now? That's a bit racy. Limbo came out this week, I think, was it, or last week? Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, picked it up recently and I was delightful, delighted to bump into the creators here this weekend. Um, could you guys tell us a little bit about it? Okay, uh, Limbo's a, a neon noir. It's about a detective who wakes up in a strange city with no idea who he is or how he got there. And he sort of takes on a case involving a femme fatale and a luchador, luchador crime boss, yeah. as there always is a luchador crime boss, right? That is, I and, love um, the design. Of, I mean, I'm a sucker for anything with a luchador, but that's just... But you have that design for... Yeah, it's a... Yeah, the, the, the design of the, 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 uh, the villain was something that I've had, you know, he's a character I've been drawing for years before this book was even you know, right. picked up, so he, he's changed a lot, he was always a luchador, he was never a luchador in a suit, but he was always, you know, he always had that mask. It just, it just manages to be incredibly sinister with, in quite a spare way. It's, yeah, it's well he had some redesigns as well, I think the first mask we did when we first originally pitched the book, he, it kind of looked a little bit S and M, so I was like, <laughs> yeah, it really it's, did. It's so I was like, we need to, we, yeah, we need to, you know, make it a bit more colourful. So there was a, there was a point where it just looked absolutely sadistic. So, a friend of ours once went to a like luchador bout in a gimp mask just to see if anyone would notice. Nobody did. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's kind of it's got this wonderful sort of neony kind of yeah, slightly eighties vibe. I guess. Oh, very yeah, very eighties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Tapes, but. Yeah. Um, how's it been going so far? It's been great. Really good. Yeah, the, rece- the, the reception's perfect. So it's, it's all we can ask for. The fact that people, you know, like when we set out to do it, we had an idea in our head of like what we wanted to get across. Like we had, you know, when I'm drawing it, I'm trying to give a feel off that, you know, like it's set in this bizarre world. So I've chosen colours to, um, you know, um, yeah. Reflect. Sorry. Reflect that. <laughs> Reflect that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, I think it's a perfect that. I was like, what? Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's you know I wanted to give it this like uh, noir vibe, but also I wanted it to look like it was set, it was made on VHS tape, you know, like mm. as it's like weird that kind of TV static and slightly ethereal overcolored yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, when we get the reviews back, everyone's like, yeah, a real, uh, you know, like this is what it looks like, and uh, I think they nailed nailed that vibe. So that that, that makes me happy knowing that like. <laughs> managed to yeah. pull that off at least you know the scene with the television is fantastic that's just incredibly atmospheric oh that's cool cool anything that uh, anything you guys have seen here that you'd particularly recommend uh, we just played Arcadia which yeah. Awesome. yeah Arcadia by uh, Alex Placnadel um, absolutely uh, oh the guy's behind us right behind yeah. us yeah <laughs> yeah that look, that's the sort of consciousness uploaded to servers thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've only like just flicked through the first few pages and say, yeah, no, this is this is this is my kind of book. Mm. So, uh, no, that looks pretty good. And uh, Beast Dragon as well. If um, if, if that was uh, nominated for the British Comic Awards this year. Oh, right. And if, if you have not read that, you should be reading that. I've not taken a look yet, so maybe we should uh, you're gonna have to flick through. But it's absolutely phenomenal. Great. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much. Hope the rest of the day goes well. So lovely of them to talk to us. Roger, what did you think of Limbo? <laughs> um, I probably thought those things I said in that interview that we definitely listened to in real time. The magic of radio, and you're fucking it up. Future radio. <laughs> Future radio. Um, I thought it was tremendous fun. So um, it's this sort of 
80s-y neon electro noir thing in a voodoo swamp. And if that's a lot of words. And if, if that doesn't sell it to you, it's then high concept. It's high concept stuff. There's there's a television that eats a goat. That it's, <laughs> there are drug smuggling zombies. It's full of these wonderful... Luchador crime boss. Luchador crime boss. Mm-hmm. It's full of these wonderful little visual touchstones, um, kind of just panels full of weird 80s tat and bits and pieces that really go in, in the same way that Paper Girls does, kind of really go in hard on the 80s tropes. And I was chatting to, I think it was Casper on, on Twitter, about the fact that a lot of people's reaction has been to kind of puzzle box it, to really sort of, oh, well, it must be called Limbo, so it must be set in his psyche, he must be dying, this must be this, this must be that. And... I don't buy it. I I think I think that would be far too clumsy. I think it's just it, it's this this weird place with this super neonized eighties filming. Maybe it will turn out to be hallucinatory. But I think that fundamentally doesn't matter because it does a really nice job of creating a noir environment. It's got it's got a lot of the standard noir tropes: the crime boss, the down at the heel, private eye. But it really works with this kind of neon voodoo shtick that it's got going on. Um, so there's a, one of the characters communes with the lower by dancing to mixtapes. Um, which sort which of gradually unspool and, and take form and dance around the room as well, and that, which looks fucking great. It's it's got this this wonderful sort of neony thing. I keep saying neon. It just it's got a wonderful open with with this kind of the faux hard bitten private eye sitting in a bar eating a lizard on a stick, and just lizard on a stick. This place has the damn best lizard on a stick, and it's it's just. There's something really delightful and actually quite fresh about it, and the weirdness is not like self-consciously obtrusive. It's. Just... I think that the, the thing that makes it really enjoyable is the fact that it just commits hard to all of its nonsense from the off. Mm. Like so, all of the all of the weirdness is just there. It's not accepted. It, 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 there's no oh god, look at this thing. It's just this is the fabric of yeah. this, and it looks stunning. There's there's this sort of plainer color thing that's very fashionable at the moment, but that really works. Um, Weird things to do with the light sources again, neon. Um, but it looks like sort of the Parker books via a bit of Mignola, and then the colours turned up to eleven. Yeah, it's sort of super saturated, as you would expect from something that is a sort of perpetually neon environment. It's just nice, you know. I think the next one, I think the next one's out next week, number two or something. Good. It's out soon. I want to read it. Um, it's a it's a fun good time. It's lovely. What else? Um, so. I picked up something that we actually got sort of pitched or um, or sent by some people, uh, which is Bob Non-Union Psychic. That's right, we get pitches now. We get pitches of. now? We get pitches. Okay. A bit. How does it happen? Sometimes some people email us. People email okay. us. Okay, all right. They seem nice. Yeah. So this is by, um, I might I might mash this one, Adam Vole, possibly Vole, um, Lance Lucero, and... Um, Francisco Resendez. I think, again, I'm kind of reading sideways from an iPad and I'm bad at names. Sorry, we suck at names. Uh, this, this, is, this is a feature of the podcast. And together, those guys who, whose names I just mangled because I'm the worst human um, form, I think, a new outfit called Warehouse Nine Books. There may be some other people involved. I don't know. It's probably in the email they sent me, but I really don't pay attention to things. Um... I say they seem nice, and they sent, uh, they pitched or sent Bob Non-Union Psychic, which is currently available for sale. It's billed as a volume zero, so I assume there's more coming. Quite reasonably priced on their site, and it's it's a it's a large single issue, I'd say thirty something pages, maybe a bit more, about a world in which 
there are psychics. They have a, a guild or a union or, or some such that's somewhat regulatory. And then there's Bob, who'd rather be a hairdresser, except he's being haunted by his dead granddad, who used to be some kind of like serious primo psychic who's nudging him to try and join the guild. And um, he gets into a scrape, a sort of interesting adventure where he has to fight a monster, and he's a bit hapless, but he's fundamentally all right. It's it's you know it's it's this fun, quite light story about a reluctant psychic hero fighting monsters and trying to be a hairdresser. And it looks nice. It looks really nice. It's got this sort of restrained color palette, cartoony thing going on. I know yeah. you read it as well. I think uh, I had a very quick look. I haven't had time to read it properly yet. Um, but it's got great character style, I thought. Mm. Um, it's sort of... Not chibi, but big hands and feet. It's got a very sort of distinctive look about it. It reminded um, me of something, but I couldn't put my finger on it. It looked a bit like a webcomic I used to read, but I can't remember which bloody one. So you're not help. You're not help at all. We covered that in Worst Person. Mm, I think that's distinct. There's a whole bunch of flaws that contribute to that, but... Worst person is distinct. But you would, you would recommend it? I would. I actually would. I think it's it's fun. There's um, it's in a couple of places. It's arguably a little obviously a first or an early work, um, and there are a couple of bits of design that whilst they're perfectly competent, I, I don't think quite fit the wider aesthetic. The the monster just feels like it's a bit more Pokemon than sinister mysticism, but it. The story clips along. It's it's good fun. It looks great. Okay, we'll link to it in the show notes. We will. Yeah, there is one issue on. available at the moment, and I believe it's like it's a couple of dollars, right? It's not. It's four four dollars. Well, that's it's it's worth your money. That's 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 it, it's a thing that I, I believe it to be an entirely reasonable proposition that you give these fine people four dollars for. There. Dollar 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 bills, y'all. Uh, in, indeed. Agreed, and that is but that is via correct. PayPal. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that does mean you, you have to like. Peter Thiel's got to wet his beak. Peter needs a taste. That Steve Stedden doesn't pay for itself. No, no, he's got to, he's got to build his hidden underwater city of Rapture somehow. Yeah. And that is through microtransactions on digital comics purchases. So sorry, you you should buy this book, but you do have to fit fund a Randian dystopia. Yeah. You, li- you lose some. Swings and roundabouts. What about I Love This Part by Tilly Walden? <gasps> oh, look at him go. Oh my god. This is a comic about teenage girls, but this one's not by a Canadian, so it's, this is you expanding your horizons. Yeah, yeah, this is... This is by an American. This is a, a mildly lesbotic teenage girl comic by an, an American lady. It's not that mildly lesbotic. It's about formative identity and sexual experiences yes this sounds good keep talking yeah oh god so this is just beautiful um it's about these two girls who are I think high school maybe a little younger young high school friends growing closer and then kind of pulling apart quite it 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 crumbles this feels it hits you um oh my god this book is fucking beautiful it's like a little maybe a little more petite than A5 Mm mhm and it's an image to a page, and it completely religiously sticks to that. Mm-hmm. The colour is, I think it's ink wash. It looks like ink wash. Yeah, yeah it's um, very, very restricted, sort of navy blue and pink ink um, washes. Yeah. So it's black and white work with this very restricted colour that sort of pulls in from or away from the edges of the line work as the story moves. Mm-hmm. 
very, very clean, very, very clear. It looks looks astounding. But there's this fascinating sort of visual gimmick where originally you wonder are these girls giants? They're sort of they're huge in the landscape. Mm-hmm. But it's it sometimes pulls down to everything being conventional size, uh, depending on whether we're looking at their memory or also how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. So it's got that environmental empathic mimetic thing going on. That they're, I guess one reading is their relationship makes them, in the way that your sort of interactions can, particularly when you're young, make them feel just so much bigger than the world. Mm-hmm. That sort of their lives are so much huger than anything around them. The buildings, their parents' houses, their apartments, the city blocks, the mountains are things that they can kind of slouch against while they're listening to mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Well, songs they've shared on their iPods. I'm very old. Um, Yes, I, I got to the end of it and sort of flicking through the back matter and say, uh, the author was born in 1996 in Austin. It's like, fuck no. No. No, she so it so makes nice. you feel old. That's two years younger than my sister and she's young. But she was so lovely. She was lovely. Oh. And achingly talented. The f- her first book looks gorgeous as well. Can we yes, just... oh yes, it's her second book. Can we just, just take all of them and just put them against a wall? <laughs> No, she was great. No, I know, I know, I know, but it just makes me feel so fucking thwarted. Do you, do you mean in a Blair Witch sense or an up against the wall and shoot them sense? I don't un- have any cultural context for Blair Witch. Uh, at the end of them, they're all facing a wall and then it cuts and they're dead or something, who cares? Well, they die either way, so does it matter? No. Okay. I don't think we can put her up against the wall, but we can go to an interview that, uh, that we did with her. That sounds like should a reasonable we, second we option. We should do that instead. So it's uh, Tilly Waldo, isn't it? Yes, I am Tilly Waldo. And you've done I Love This Part is the new book? That's the new book out from Avery Hill Publishing. Would you like to sort of tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so I Love This Part is uh, a a comic about two girls and their relationship. And uh, it's a little bit uh, surreal, or maybe there's some magical realism, I think. Um, because they are, you could say they're giants, or you could say that the world around them is very, very small. and, uh, yeah, it's it's a story based on a relationship I had in middle school, so there are definitely autobiographical elements to it. I was not a giant, so that, that part isn't true. But, uh, yeah, it's it's just a short story. It's uh, it's colored with this purple wash. And, yeah, it just it follows the progression of their relationship and, and how their world changes physically around that. And it's kind of, it's sort of... It's Basically, an image to a page, I think. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, it's about yeah. It's set that's it. these landscapes that are, as you say, the size is, is different or out of whack. Yeah, it's different depending on on where they are in the story. And yeah, it's a full illustration uh, for each page, just a single single panel. Has it been Has it been doing well? Yeah, it really has. A lot of people have come and gotten it, and a lot of people have said like a real a lot of really nice things. Yeah, I, I picked uh, up a copy yesterday and flipped through. It does look absolutely gorgeous. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's really it's very rewarding to uh, spend so long you know just sitting in my apartment drawing it and to finally come and suddenly I'm at a con and a ton of people yeah. are coming up to me and, and congratulating me and have you me. been to Thought Bubble before? no no first time at Thought Bubble this is only like my second time at a convention right and uh, second time in the UK oh gosh yeah, yeah. how are you finding it? Oh, it's it's really different, um, and it's funny because I can drink here. <laughs> I can't drink in the U.S. I'm still too, I'm still two years away, and so every you know every night we go to the pub, and it's it's pretty great. I still I, I try to not like be the giggly teenage girl that's like oh my god they're giving me alcohol, but uh, it's really fun, and you know it's it's lovely to come here and see my publishers in person and hang out with them finally. Have you uh, seen any comics here that you think are particularly interesting? Anything you'd recommend? Oh, man. Well, uh, 
I love uh, Catriona Chapman. Uh, she does a pencil comic called Catzine. That's really lovely. Um, Rachel, who also is with Avery Hill Publishing and has her own oh, table, yes, yes. did just did The Rabbit. I sat down and read it when I got to my editor's house, uh, and I really loved it. It's a really fun, dark story. I like dark stories, yeah. so so that's really yeah, read, good. Um, House Party, which I think is her. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, she's really taking off. And then, like, anything by, I may, I may totally mess up her name, Eleni Calacordi. Uh, she's, yeah, I, I've been following her illustrations for a while. She's just, like, down the row from me in New Dock Hall, and uh, her stuff is amazing. Okay. It's well, really fantastic. Yeah, you really should. She's really wonderful. That's great. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. See what I mean about lovely, right? Yes, she's, she's very lovely. She, um, she was just the most effusive person there. She seemed... I think if I'd encountered that first thing in the morning with the hangover I had, I, I would just have noped the fuck out. There is a level of enthusiasm I cannot deal with, but... Yeah. No, so, and it, it's, it's, it's just this, this gorgeous thing. Um, I really love the way it unspooled. So, yeah. you're talking about the sort of the way that they appear in the landscape, and they appear as these giants against the landscape. And it sort of... It plays early on with whether it's a linear story or not. So, obviously, it's sort of... It's a single frame and it could be jumping around all over the place and it's sort of jumping to these points in a relationship where they're sort of moving together or apart. And um, sort of it, it opens up to the extent that, it, the, that there's the possibility that it's all memory after, after things have gone sour. And the sort of, it seems like the expan- the, their expanse in the landscape is when it's memories of, of better times essentially, and they sort of grow to fill the space and become less, less sort of physically fixed, just mm-hmm. a part of a bigger thing, part of something. And then in the, in the sort of small beginning moments or the moments where things are falling apart, then it tends to focus on close-up landscape with no one there. Or, or rooms. Or so very, very... Yeah, or just mm-hmm. sort of so everyone of real size in, in perspective. It finishes on this, in this kind of Jacob's room sort of a way, where this kind of examination of, of what is the space implied by this person and what is left behind. And it's lovely. It's really good. It's by... It's Avery Hill, I think? Avery Hill have published this one, um, yeah. I believe they published the first book as well. It's reasonably priced, if, if, that's a, if that's a thing. It's not particularly long. You can read it very quickly. And, um, well... I I cried and I'm a fucking monster. So God knows what it would do to a functioning human. A lot oh my of God, you cried. A lot of people we were with bought it and ended up having a slight snuffly episode. So, but we're not talking full on bawling. But there was yeah there yeah, was, yeah leakage. I, there was there yeah leakage. Yeah, things fell out of him. Things fell out of him. So you also read uh, fairy tales for bad bitches. Oh, I did, and I expected to fucking hate it, and it's the best. Go on. Tell us about your. Damascene experience. Right, so Fairy Tales for Bad Bitches is one of the, I guess, corpus of currently two books about Greasy, the sort of yeah. weird dog protagonist of some sort of, of the comic book slumber party yeah. books. Comic book slumber the party, mascot of comic book yeah. slumber party. I mean, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll flip to an interview because we, we talk to them as well, but they, they are a comics collective. Um, mostly ladies, entirely ladies? I think entirely. And, um... Should that be women? Was that bad? Was that patronizing? I was trying not to. As long as you don't say females like oh, some God, fucker yeah. from you don't 4chan. Say yeah, I don't want to be like the Reddit cunt. Someone has set up a You Sound Ferengi bot, um, which just <laughs> <laughs> tweets, at, tweets at people who exclusively refer to women as females. Uh, 
explaining to how fucking stupid they are. Mm. That sounds good than necessary. Um, anyway, it's um, it's a comics collective of women doing this sort of well, they do sort of short stories and anthologies. Um, I think we've read some of their stuff on the podcast before. I know we've done some Donny Todd bits. Uh, we've done a little bit some pieces, yeah. So, Fairy Tales for Bad Bitches were being heavily touted by a lot of people last year as one yeah. of the books of the year. We and their new one is um, Greasy's Guide to Sex, or Greasy's Guide to Nookie. Yeah. Um, which I didn't pick up. Uh, I can't remember why I chose Fairy Tales for Bad Bitches. I think it just sounded funnier. Um, but the um, Fairy Tales for Bad Bitches is the premise is Greasy's looking after a niece or a friend's daughter and reads to her from the book of Fairy Tales for Bad Bitches, which made me the bad bitch that I am. Um, reinterpretations of fairy tales, short four or five pages, um, in a kind of modern, kind of feminist, sex-positive, reasonably switched-on way. Um, Nookie, uh, Grease's Guide to Nookie is... She's teaching a sex ed class, and she's going to do it right. Like, you know, I, they, I, I, think, um, I think they sort of covered this in the interview a bit, but... Um, fairy- Shall we go to that now? Yeah, all right. Catching up with the folks from Comic Book Slumber Party. Um, could you kind of introduce yourselves and let, sort of tell me a little bit about what you do? Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Hannah K. Chapman. I am uh, one of the co-founders of Comic Book Slumber Party with Donya Todd. And um, we put together, uh, so far, two anthologies which bring together really exciting talent from around the world, uh, mainly in indie comics, and all of the contributors just happen to be women. Uh, so yeah, we're like an international girl gang, like beating people up and making really good work. And with me today are uh, Alice Urbino, who's amazing. She did a book called Dimension. Uh, Becca Tobin, who is an award-nominated illustrator who has worked with Frontier and Adventure Time, which is great. Oh, and cool. Lottie Pension, who uh, actually did the kind of main narrative in Greece's Guide to Nookie, which is our new book. And her work is so funny and beautiful. And what have you? Uh, what have you got here? Greasy's Guide to Nookie. And... We've got Greasy's Guide to Nookie and CBSP Fairy Tales for Bad Bitches. Uh, Bad Bitches is a retelling of uh, ten fairy tales, uh, yeah. nine fairy tales with one kind of main narrative, which is our mascot Greasy, who's a yellow smoking dog, telling mm-hmm. bedtime stories, kind of inappropriate bedtime stories, to her sister's young, uh, her friend's younger sister. Excellent. And uh, they all kind of like have quite a modern spin on it, and it's just kind of. Greasy saying like that's bullshit. Don't do that. Are we allowed to swear? Absolutely. Will you beep it out? Um, no, we do not. Our podcast is horrible. Okay, good. Um. All right, fuck. Um, <laughs> Greasy's guide to Nookie. Uh, we pulled an alternative sex education, and yeah. in this one, Greasy is kind of educating this group of young people in a classroom about like different um, myths and like things that are wrong and misconceptions about sex and yeah. just kind of put it straight like oh, excellent. you don't need to have a vagina to be a woman yeah. like self-pleasure is fine and losing your virginity is not always a good thing and yeah. like yeah. it's sad but it happens and yeah and so they're both like just full of really talented artists and there's about 20 of them so I don't know if you want me to list them but <laughs> <laughs> you can if you want. I'm, I'm going to pick up a copy and we'll probably talk about it on the on the show. Yeah. Well, I'm going to list them quickly just in case you don't, because uh, I'm going to be that person. Also, everyone's really good. So, again, we've got Lottie Pension, uh, Lizzie Stewart, Julia Shield and Sarah Broadhurst. Uh, they're of One Beat Zines. Oh, yeah. Matilde Bangaloo, Jess Milton, Chloe Moore, Justine Sarlett, Weiwei Pang, Eleni Calacotti, Anna Bongiovanni, Alice Urbino, You've and Donya Todd. All the people. 
all of them. And then in the other book, we've got Becca Tobin, Lucy Ebry, Alice again, Stephanie Ayres, Sarah Burgess, Jen Woodall, Lise Meddings, Anoki, Donya Todd again, and Emma Carlisle. Cool. And um, have you sort of seen anything that you particularly recommend at Thought Bubble this year? Uh, the One Beat Scenes Identity book is yeah, fantastic. Um, so I picked up a copy of that. And uh, also, Isabel Greenberg has a new, like, kind of first issue of a book that she's got oh. called Toad. Right. And I think she's done the illustration and someone else has written it, and I can't remember that person's name. We'll uh, go and have a look. Got it in my bag, but check it out. That looks really beautiful. That's great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Sorry, you were saying. <laughs> it's like professionalism, isn't it? It's a lot like professionalism. Like, we definitely segues. Like, we can, we can see it from where we're standing. I'm, I'm... That was the first interview and I very nearly had to ask... My, my first question was, can you tell I'm trying not to poop? Like, I just, That's not the right thing I to was, say to a well. feminist comics collective. I was not doing well. You were, you were suffering, to I, be fair. I, I mean, the fear. The pooping fear. Rod, Roger went to the Thought Bubble Party, which was, you know, it's the Thought Bubble Party, things happen. Uh, one of Run DMC was there. People had a nice time, and Roger drank too much. I did. Yeah. I boozed too greedily and too deep. And you had the Balrog of regret <laughs> rampaging. Balrog. R- rampaging <laughs> around your Minas Tirith, didn't you? <laughs> I did. The minds of Mario were aflame. I'm so glad I read that shit this year, so I finally know what you people are talking about. <laughs> We don't talk in Lord of the Rings terms that often. It comes up more often than you'd think. Like the Balrog. <laughs> Just imagine it sort of plunging, like the Gandalf of Roger's immune system, trying to stab it out of him. Talking of which, I went to a um, food van this week that's owned by three guys, James, James and Gandalf. Because <laughs> London... <laughs> Fairy tales for bad bitches. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, so I read this this the other day, and so I had this thing a while ago of there's a particular art style that you sometimes get. That back when I was being a wanker, I used to describe as drawing like you can't draw because art school, and that's not it's it's not fair. That was me being a twat, but some of the things in there are like a really really good version of that idiom. The sort of very loose, like you might do on the back of an exercise book or someone's pencil case kind of stuff, but really well put together with great page framing. That's an actual motorbike, by the way. I'm sorry, no one's making brum brum noises. We do have that shred of decency. Sorry, we did. <laughs> so I can I tend to think of it as sort of stuff like Richard Baseman and that sort mm. of mid '90s um, graf- graffiti-inspired. Um, stuff with the very thick lines and the sort yeah. of very curved yeah, yeah. characters. So there's there's like sort of it's all by different artists, different styles. There's the there's a wonderful Beauty and the Beast retelling where um, the sort of beauty character um, who I think is Bet, mm. though they can kind of flip it around, is um, is a sort of toy poodle running away from a slightly restrictive conventional family to meet a giant, heavily tattooed mafia toad um, who takes her in and promises to turn her into a mafia queen because she's such a fucking badass. If only she'll help him cure his terrible skin disease by sucking his nipples. 
His his toad nipples. Yeah, and it just I, yeah, I know. We've all I, we've I all know. been there. We've all been asked anatomically impossible things by non mammalian life forms. It happens. It does. It happens. It's, it does. That yeah. platypus the things he wanted me to do. And it, it just ends with with her being like, no, I'm not sucking your fucking nipples, dude, and eating him. Uh, it's just, it's the, all these stories basically end with a, a badass bitch sorting out these problems. There's a um, kind of fat-shaming Goldilocks, where Goldilocks nips in, scarfs all the porridge, because why wouldn't you? Like, fuck it if it's cool enough. Um, and then the, the three bears turn up, and they're kind of like, well, that wasn't very ladylike, and they're stroppy little boy bear kid was going to I'm hungry how come he gets to eat all the porridge well it's not very demure and Mm. just just kicking back against the kind of horrifying gender double standard fat shaming body control stuff the version of the little mermaid is well it's what would actually happen if if the characters in that story weren't an idiot which is to say she meets the guy he turns out to be a self-involved douchebag and she leaves him Mm. um and doesn't end up silent in excruciating pain for the rest of her life. No, Snogson gets a voice back, becomes a serious poet. Mm. And then the Three Little Pigs version, I think it's kind of, I think it's sort of about street harassment, or basically it's just Three Little Pigs telling the fox to go fuck himself. Mm. It, it's just these kind of punky, spiky, really fun, quite empowering stories. And the relationship across the evening between Greasy and the kid just gets a bit, it's sort of, grand, she, she, she's got a storming hangover and doesn't want the kid around, and then it's sort of, they learn to like each other. It's just a fun book. It's really good. Excellent. So we also went back and saw Kingpin books, who I think we sort of raved about a bit last year. Oh, those and they nice. have some big, shiny new books out. So we, we talked about them in the Midcon cast. Um, sorry, I need to wind this up a bit because I'm going on a bit. But yeah, they have four books out, I think, in English. Yeah, so they've just published four new ones. So they've got... Fossils of Beautiful Minds. Um, Which I've nearly finished reading. Looks lovely. Uh, Solomon, was that? So mm. That was one of theirs. Uh, the Waltz uh, and Kong, mm. which is the King, silent King Kong retelling. I'll probably, I'll probably save talking about um, Fossils of Beautiful Minds for the next podcast, because I've, I've not quite finished it. Okay. And it's a bit more intricate than it looks. But you read... Um, I read The, the Waltz, um, where, yeah, by Nino Duarte and Juanel Afonso, which is a... A uh, sort of horror story set in fascist era Portugal um, in the early sixties, I think. Mm. Um, and it's about it's a sort of folk horror about a um, police uh, police inspector or a detective who comes out to this sort of isolated fishing community um, and and uh, comes out to see what's going on. There have been some disappearances, um, and uh, it's it's sort of. It pitches sort of um, obligation to the state and obligation to religion and, and identity as an individual against each other in quite a fun way. So the state inspector does not want to be a fascist, wants to run away, um, <laughs> wants to fuck off to France and be a good person. Um, but he's there to represent Portugal and sort of run up to the Pope's visit mm. to Portugal. Um, and see all of these sort of small towns. The priest there is probably up to something, although he seems respectable on the surface. I know, especially in the sixties. So unlikely. Um, and it's it's essentially it's a sort of it's it's a detective story around what is going on in this village, why are people disappearing, and there are you know dead bodies coming out of the sea every night while a woman tries to sing to them. Um, oh, as as you do, as you do. 
Um, and Chase as she's decried as a witch, but she's not really a witch. Um, and it's it's really beautiful. It, the artwork it's is stunning. stunning. Just it's just kind amazing. of like, this feels weird to say about visual art, but it feels lyrical. It's very very fluid. So even there are there are sort of panels that are more prosaic that are just doing this. But when it when it becomes slightly more abstract, it's it's really remarkable. Like there's a there's a scene where the inspector is sort of tussling with his notion of notions of self, essentially in a dream, and and there's sort of the evil black hatted trench coated version of himself that he doesn't like, sort of attacking him in this mm-hmm. in this dream, and it becomes this remarkably fluid thing. And the waltz refers to various things. One being the sort of the dance between the, himself and the person he wants to be, um, and a couple of other things as well. Um, the one thing that doesn't quite stand up is the translation's not great. So I found a little of that in the first half of um, *False Beautiful Minds*. I read. There are just there are occasional little. It's not little it's, bumps. It's not massive, but there are little there are little typos and there are little bits of idiom that are misused. Um, and it's not like it doesn't destroy it. It's still a lovely book. It's really really good. The only problem is it's the production on these things, all of these books that King Pinner put out. Fucking hell. It's so beautiful. The production quality is so high. I haven't seen those. Um, they are ridiculously lovely books, and it just sort of just detracts from that slightly, which is frustrating. Oh, damn. Yeah, Roger is, is offering up a, uh, a copy of, um, which one is it, Fossils of Beautiful Minds. Feel that print stock. This is this is a tasty piece of publishing. Yeah, all of these books are beautiful. That's 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 really the only criticism I have is that was that the translation is slightly off and sort of probably needed one more pass from a native English speaker before um, before going out. But they're lovely from what I've seen. And as you say, we'll talk about fossils of beautiful minds mm. um, next time. Next time round. So the other people we spoke to. Um, and then, oh god, I feel so bad about this. I was going to pick up their book and I'd run out of cash because, again, worst person was. But also um, because Thought Bubble. Also because Thought Bubble was uh, Julia Schill. Um, yeah, so we spoke to her about one beat zines in general, but yeah. it was Julia Schill that we spoke well, to. Also about, well, I mean, in particular, we were covering Identity Zine. Yeah. Um, which was a thing that was out quite recently. It's a sort of zine compilation. It's um, it's a piece for charity, so um, all of the profits go to the Albert Kennedy Trust, which is a charity supporting LGBT young people, um, and the Feminist Library in London, who are being royally screwed over around kind of premises and rates and just generally need a lot of money. I've got an idea of what they could do, though. What? Well, you know, libraries struggling for money. Comics. So, yeah. You think, yeah. Right. I think they could do some sex crimes. Okay. In for anyone who's who's a new listener, Lucy is referring to the comic sex criminals rather than acts of molestation and degradation that are currently illegal in this country. I don't like the implication of currently. Well, it's a bit it's a bit in flux, isn't it? I mean, the shit you can legally do that you can't legally watch. So they could just watch mm-hmm. some some uh, porn with face sitting, for example. So true, true. I mean. Our laws are fucking insane. I did love the American and European press covering the pro-face-sitting protest. That was 
that was a high point for fails in British politics. But yeah, the identity zine is a series of essays and comics and art pieces around themes of identity, particularly touching on kind of gender and sexual identity, um, published by these fantastic zine guys um, in support of charity. It looked absolutely lovely. I felt terrible for um, for not buying it. And but as we said, hangover and poverty. And here they are telling us about it. Identity Zine was um, the Identity Zine was one of the uh, books mentioned in the um, best thing panel at the beginning of the show. So we thought we'd uh, catch up with the creators and find out a bit about it. Oh, great! Um, yeah, so um, it's published by us, and we're one meet zines, and we are a uh, comics collective and yeah. a distro as well. And we produce yearly anthologies, and Identity is one of those. It's our third one, and it's basically a book of uh, 33 different women creators uh, talking about the subject of identity and it's got comics and essays and illustrations and photography and all kinds of stuff in there and also um, for this book uh, all profits of it after printing and postage are gonna um, are gonna go to two charities yeah. the Albert Kennedy Trust which is a really good charity that supports um, young uh, LGBT 16 to 25 year olds who are made homeless oh fantastic and uh, the other one is the Feminist Library in London who are currently being priced out of Elephant and Castle like everything yeah, else yeah, so uh, that's, that's not cool no <laughs> so uh, yeah basically cool. and has it been has it been going well yeah it's been going really well actually yeah we're Really happy. <laughs> and then you've got a few other, uh, a few other zines here. Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. So uh, we. Anything got... you'd particularly like to highlight? Or? Um, yeah, uh, the one that I really like is Hex by Bridget Deacon, which is just it's a little photocopied zine with illustrations uh, about uh, the artist as witch. Okay. Which um, uh, I think are really, really beautiful and. Um, then we've also got uh, the Chapes, which is a great little. Um, that's from Synchronized Witches. They're also a zine distro, and they um, uh, publish these fairly regularly. And that always has really, really interesting stuff in it. I love so. the kind of proper old school photocopied style. <laughs> there seem Thank to be you. more zines here this year. I don't know if that's. Oh, sort of um, noticed a few more, but. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we really wanted to bring zines to the festival today because usually there aren't that many around yeah. and there's a, there's a people standing really marquee like that have some really lovely little ones oh um, really there's some guys over there they maybe with the art college or oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. I, I haven't actually left this hall yet it's, but I'm trying to do a walk around before it uh, closes hopefully so have, have you seen anything that, that you'd particularly recommend on sort of other tables or anything else at the show um yes I have there are two things um there's the the new comic book Slumber Party oh, book, yes, yes. Uh, which uh, Sarah and I are actually in. <laughs> so Carrie, recommend that. It's very good, and everybody should buy it. Yeah, other people are in it, so it's not it's not necessary. Yeah, I have a so copy of Fairy Tales for Bad Bitches. Oh, well. great! Yeah, oh, that was one of my favourite books from last year as well. Um, and uh, I also really like Simon Morton's new book, Spook oh, right. Comics, uh, that he just put out. Um, uh, oh, uh, yes, um, Red by Jess Milton, which we're actually going to be selling for our online shop oh, cool. as well. Cool. Um, but that's she's, the kind oh, of Red Riding Hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's a by Donya Tubbs. Yes. Which is on the Avery Hill That's the, uh, the one with the dog that 
sweats butter. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the one. <laughs> Why not? That's the one. And uh, anything by Tilly Walden, who's on the Avery Hill table as well. Like she's crazy talented and also really young, so it's really unfair. But you should buy your books. Yeah, buy all of them. Yeah. Splendid. Thank you. Well, we hope you have a good uh, good rest of the day. Great. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. So I did actually buy one of their books because I'm a good person. It's nice that one of us is. Yeah. So I um, I bought um, Dick Cream by Jordana Globerman, which is about her time working in a call desk in. Uh, for a company that sell male enhancements, um, and having having done my time in retail, uh, I'm always always up for a a sob story about customer service, and this is fucking glorious. It's just um, really quite abstract pieces about the shit people do and the dehumanising nature of, of the calls that they got in. Um, it's quite a small thing, but it's a really nice little book. There are copies available on one beatings. Uh, site at the moment and all of them are pretty much customised from what I can see so the cover is customised on each of them it's a slightly different oil painting on each um, but it makes me feel better about my time in retail because fuck me that's horrible stuff Yeah, um, that sounds worse than just, my worst customer service job which yeah. was dealing with the entire public at Royal Mail Yeah, I feel like gross niche is worse than all of the idiots mm. yes yeah, just particularly so particularly the entitlement of people who are phoning up the company talking to young women. Um, uh, yeah. About their penises. About their penises. And, and how they're and, not being sufficiently enhanced. And Yes, and exa- exactly, exactly that. It's, a, it's an interesting little book. Um, Indeed. They had a lot of stuff on... They did. So the problem with going to cons is that there is a ton of stuff that you would buy if only not for all of these things. And I try to cover really quite a broad base and particularly new things. When I'm it's really hard not to kind of blow your fiscal wad on the first day as well. Mm. Yeah. So there's lots of people. So it's particularly bad when you know people to talk to because it's like, I do love your stuff, but I'm trying to buy new things. Mm. Like, oh, this, this is my scouting party for the year and also sometimes if you're really socially awkward giving the money is the only way to end the conversation without feeling bad that's true that's probably I mean that, that's probably true for both sides for a lot of people you pay mm. to make can't the problem be, go away can't be fun talking to hundreds and hundreds of no, people every day no it would ruin me no the fact that that's a sort of necessary part of succeeding in the industry is horrifying so I I also read uh, Mean Girls Club by Ryan Heschke, which was uh, one that I bought from No Brow, despite saying I was going to stay away from their table. Hey, you you told me I didn't have to taste you for that. Yeah, no, No Brow's fine. As if I'd bought any giant prints that cost six hundred pounds, that was when you had to really stop me. Um, oh yeah, that's when those two guys probably thought we were a couple. Oh, that was good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. We, we wound up at a table with a couple of guys who used to live in Cambridge and were probably a couple, and we were just talking to them about comics in Cambridge, and they clearly thought we were a couple. So It's not the first nice. time. No, it's not the it first time. might be the time. last time. Well, no. you wrote that slash fiction. I did. I'll do some more for Christmas. Mean Girls Club. Oh, we need to remember to tell attendance. I'm going to do Christmas it at the end. You could win Lucy's slash fiction. No, is that the prize? No. I'll write some slash fiction as a prize if the, you want. The prize was going to be a comic, but... That's better. We should make the price we're comic. a comic show. You can have both. You can have both. You can have some slash fiction as well. Lucy will write it in front of the comic. I will. She'll ruin that for you. I'll write it somewhere. Yeah. You might never know. No. <laughs> Tattoo it on the back of your ass. Mean Girls Club uh, is right on the one of the little no-brow uh, titles in the same way as The Hunter and um, 
Glemchik and a few other things I've talked about on here. It's one of the sort of new voices things that they're doing. Um, and it's just fucking deranged. It's great. Um, it's like a sort of reefer madness story. Mm. It's it's bad people in the past doing socially unacceptable things. <laughs> and everyone everyone in it looks like one of the sort of slightly deranged Fletcher Hanks drawings. Um, the sort of big angular women who all look the same but have slightly different hair colour. And they're all just doing awful things to people and making them cry and drinking tears. Um, and they're just it's just basically chaos in that sort of reefer madness way sort of unacceptable maddening chaos that you mm-hmm. don't think would happen um, there's no story really they start out at their clubhouse having a meeting of the mean girls club drinking tears and then they go out in the town and they hold up a liquor van and one of them takes so many pills that they have to go to hospital and then they do it all over again and it's just it's just what beautifully life. illustrated and deranged. It's really really great. What a way to live. Um, I can't really say much more about it than that. It's so that so pretty odd. good. Yeah, it is really it is really good. So the other stuff that I, I um, read read as well, but we'll talk, did you read that? I read read. We'll, I'll talk about that with you then. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Like bring me in there, and then we'll do the competition segment afterwards. Well, we'll do we'll, we'll do, do the last interview. In the bring you in, and then yeah. we'll do the competition. Okay. So I think you didn't get as far as Alien in the Outfield, but we did go and talk to them. Yeah, so I um, I uh, wanted to talk to them because of their upcoming Team Bowie adventures. Oh, this looks so good. Which is Calvin and Hobbes, essentially, with where Calvin is David Bowie and Hobbes is Iggy Pop. You can sort of oh, see yeah. why this would... Yeah. It's kind of like, you're not my real dad. My dad's the king of the goblin people and he lives on a candy cane mountain. It's kind of... Oh, gosh. You're there. It I'm, doesn't, uh, yeah, I'm this doesn't need place. anything else. But I'm just going to kind of top and tail that with Alien in the Outfield is also kind of charming. These guys have a real passion for the all ages thing. It's an alien that joins a little league team. It's quite sweet. So we'll hear from Matt Barnett. Who is the writer, uh, the artist on that now? Yeah, we um, their uh, their writer uh, who uh, who is, is, is it Jack? The writer Actually is called Jack, Jack Kirby, Kirby, which is quite um, impressive. He was he was I think he was getting Not some much lunch. determinism kind mm. of. Yeah, we when when we when we caught up with them, he was he was off getting getting some lunch, but um, but Matt was uh, was super chatty, and uh, so we asked him some questions. So we're catching up with Matt. Matt Barnett. Matt, Matt Barnett. Barnett. And you've got a, a book called Alien in the Outfield? Yeah, we do. Uh, it's an all-ages alien sports adventure comic. Yeah. Um, we wanted to do uh, a comic that was engaging for younger readers, um, was in the format of a, of a classic American comic, um, really to get younger readers into comics yeah. because we come to a lot of these things and a, a, a majority of the indie books aimed at older readers, aimed at people like me and, and people like yourself. Um, but we really wanted to do something that was aimed at getting that new generation yeah. of readership involved. And sort of starting to see a bit more of that at the moment, I guess. Yeah, we know we've huge. Definitely, then... we definitely are, and there are some fantastic ones. But you know, I, I, I still think there's room for yes, more of that. Absolutely. I, especially within what you can do with, in uh, in the medium, in, and in terms of genuinely doing all ages work rather than younger readers' work. Yeah. So what we've done with our book is. It's a, it's a very light, simple story, 
Um, but it's set in 1986. It uses a lot of the tropes of 80s movies, a kind of a bit of a John Hughes feel or a slightly Spielberg slam. Right. And we hope that that makes it actually enjoyable for the older reader as well. And it's a crash-landed alien who joins a little oh, league team. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's about an alien that crash-lands on Earth in the 80s, um, joins a little league baseball team, um, and chaos ensues, and comedy and adventure and romance and positive stories for young people. Fantastic. You have the T-shirt, I see. Yeah, uh, we've got the T-shirt, we've got the baseball bat, we've got stickers... We and used to have plectrums. Cool. We're and big on merchandise. It looks like you've got something lined up for next year, the Teen Barrier Oh, Adventures. yes. We're working on uh, a slightly different book. It's the, it's the same team. It's myself and uh, Jack Kirby, which is his real name. <laughs> uh, which is his real name. He's not here right now, but um, we have been called out on it. I'm just pleased to say that I've been working with Jack Kirby for three years now, from beyond the grave. And uh, we're working on a book... Uh, a slightly loving homage to Calvin and Hobbes, uh, but retooled as David Bowie and Iggy. That's, that's hard to resist. Uh, we think it's going to be quite charming and quite psychedelic and uh, a little bit of a, of a loving um, tribute yeah. to David. Have you had a, had a good show so far? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, we love coming back here. Both of us are based in London, but we're both yeah. from Yorkshire, so oh, this cool. is kind of like a little bit of a homecoming. Um, a lot of the London cons uh, are, are fantastic, and we really enjoy them, and we'd, be, we'd like being part of them. But this con in particular really feels like it's uh, part of... It's, part of, it's more open to the community. It's not in yeah. a big conference centre. It's more laid back. It's quite relaxed I guess. Yeah it's very friendly yeah. and yeah, it feels cool. like it, the, the, there's a lot more going on and it feels like the, the whole city sort of involved in it. I, I like a lot of the peripheral activities. Yeah. And Were you at the party last night? Uh, unfortunately it took, it's taken us two years to get three issues of our four issue miniseries out which gives you some idea about our efficiency and our timeliness and because uh, I didn't get round to getting the tickets, we missed the party. <laughs> so I'd rather not hear anything about it. Fair enough. Because I've seen the tweets and I've got terrible foul mouth. Oh, dear. Have you, uh, have you seen any books here um, this year that you particularly, uh, particularly would point out to people? Um, yeah, I'm very keen to support the indie books. Um, I really love the collective up here um, who are Team Ketchup. And uh, it's, a, it's a local uh, comics collaborative, right. um, I think based in Skipton. Okay. And it's basically young people's comics. It's a young person's comic workshop, but they put out regular anthologies, and it's just brilliant. It's just uh, so much energy and so many bonkers little stories that have come out of it. Really recommend it. Um, big fans of Dungeon Fan in the, in the other room again another all ages book uh, love Sam Reed's work um, love Timothy Winchester's work ok cool well thank you very much no thank you wasn't that nice you're getting the hang of this mm-hmm. I thought that was I, I thought that was totally legit nice so it, it actually was really nice you weren't there but it was lovely wasn't there nor will I listen to it no so now we now we head on to what has Lucy read and who won the Lucy Boys Fight Fan Challenge. Indeed. Um, so Lucy, what have you read? I have read Red. You have read Red? By Jess Milton. Yes, which I picked up at the Thought Bubble. For uh, £4? I don't know. 
It's not for the challenge. I don't no. know. No. I just read it incidentally. No, no, this is mine. I just thought she'd enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, I thought this was the challenge. No, no, no. No, 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 no this is mine. Um, mine. I have it for you. Well, the um, the main character looks like Victorian Beyonce on the cover. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing that you'd noticed. Have you seen it? I had a flip through. Okay. It's quite pretty. Yeah. It is. It's very pretty. It's very beautifully drawn. I had the problem that I always have when things don't have any words, which is mm. that I find it extremely difficult to follow action that's purely visual. So I spent time looking at the art, and it was very nice. They do a very good creepy fox, and a very good scary forest, and a nice sort of red thread weaving through the whole thing. Could I tell you what happened? Not really. So I, I had the, the opposite experience. I thought that it did an incredible amount with a very non-standard telling of a fairy tale with no words. So I thought it sold sort of... So it's a vague retelling of Little Red Riding Hood, very, very vaguely. Mm-hmm. But it's essentially it's a woman on on her way to her wedding, um, which appears to be to a knight. And the knight looks. Knight's a woman. Yeah, the knight's a woman. Yeah, um, and this is great. this is what I this is what I actually thought was really good about it um, was the way that it portrayed. So all of the all of the characters are female, essentially all the characters who matter in any way, which is red. Or the Little Red Riding Hood character, um, the the knight, prince, king, someone that she's marrying, and the thing in the forest, the person in the forest who is a masked character, and the way that it sort of it, the way that it sold sort of traditional fairy tale um, representations of safety and safety and normality, danger and new things, I thought was really good for something that was wordless mm-hmm. and also not actually bound in any way by normal social mores. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I thought from that point of view it was exceptional. I struggle to extract that from a wordless book. No. Yes, I don't disagree with what any of, you, any of the things that you said, but I guess, I guess words are my anchor for knowing what I think of a thing, and without them it's just a kind of formless, that was quite nice, but it's in and then it's gone. Right. Which is fair, it's just different ways of processing things. Indeed. Um, but it was it was lovely. It's a beautiful thing to look at, and if you either are like me and can deal with it, or you're not like me and you should probably be thankful, you should pick it up. It's good. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what she does next. Mm. Mm. Was this her first? Um, I think she's done some other mini comics. Okay, but I don't think she's got any sort of huge bits out. It reminded me of some of the Emily Carroll stuff as well. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's not not dissimilar at all. No, sort of slightly borrowing from an older world yeah. but also in, in what was very nice was that it it did so in a way that didn't subscribe to the the past was automatically whitewashed yeah which I thought was great just do whatever the fuck you want yeah um, yeah like as I said I really liked the fact that it did that and mm-hmm. also managed to represent what it was trying to represent despite mm-hmm. not having any sort of any sort of traditional things to fall back on which well fairy tales ought to be capable of doing that right they're not they're so acutely situational that... Sure, but to sell it 12 pages without words, sure, it's still sure. still an achievement, mm. I think. What else? Well, apart from the challenge, that's kind of it for this week. Okay. Because I've been moving house and all my shits in boxes. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Well, also quite a lot of you guys' shit, it turns out. Sorry, I've still got loads of your comics. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. It is all right. It's all right. A lot of mine have disappeared into the swamp. Mm. Shall we move on then to yes. the Lucy Boys Five Pounds Challenge? The Five Pounds Challenge. I've got some yeah. questions for okay. you guys before we go any okay. further. Yeah. yeah. 
How much uh, did you confer beforehand? We didn't confer at all. You didn't confer at all? No. Okay, in which case that reflects very badly on me. How did you both pick something where people get eaten? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I read them in sequence and I was like, okay, I'm seeing a theme here. And unless they're so, fucking with me, they just think I'm weird. Yeah. So I, there was a lot of stuff I saw... So my, my pick was uh, A Woman Falls in Love with the Devil by Isabel Greenberg. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of stuff that might have been more obvious. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of stuff there that sort of recent feminism mm-hmm. that would have been quite an easy sell. Like I any, think pretty much any of the stuff you talked about today I would have gone yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. Any of the one beat stuff. Um, any of the uh, any of the uh, comic book slumber party stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wanted to try something slightly outside of Euridium, but mm-hmm. still weird. So I wouldn't. I was going to get you something like sweet but sad, mm-hmm. but everything appeared to be either sweet or sad. Okay, so you went with weird instead. Yeah. Well, there's there's a guy, Sean. So your party. choice was. Uh, mine was the Golden Cannibal Girl by Douglas Noble. Douglas Noble, um, who does some really interesting stuff, but. There's a guy, Sean Azapati, Azrapati, I'll I'll look at him for the show notes, and he does these little autobiographical things. One of those kind of jumped out at me a bit, but I'm not going to say they're bad comics, but I thought they might be a little bit too middle-aged man memoir to kind Mm, of... Fair. So I went with something else. Mm -hmm. I, I thought, if in doubt, go weird. If in doubt, go weird. You both did, and people got eaten. Yeah. That was the theme. People get eaten. Yeah. There was, I mean, there's a ton of stuff, and it's actually quite hard to pick one thing because mm-hmm. it's hard to. It's honestly so big, it's hard to find your way back. Mm-hmm. Bad trends might but have been a good call. Bad trends could have been good. Yeah, bad trends was great. It's a zombie outbreak, but rather than zombie plague, it's Crocs. Oh. Or just shit. Yeah, just just awful stuff that no one should ever have worn coming back to haunt them. <laughs> there's someone getting chased down the streets by Crocs and consumed. That sounds great. Um, but yeah, there was, there was there was tons of stuff. Genuinely, a load of stuff that would have really worked. And I sort of did did the laps mm. on day one, trying to find things that looked interesting, and then day two picked one. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that makes me feel glad is that clearly the industry is sort of vaguely going in the same direction as me, which a lot it, of cannibalism. it wasn't back in the, not the cannibalism, just the feels. I think there's a lot more. I guess a lot more independent creators, a lot more diversity of voices being represented and that gets stuff closer to me than the more traditional stuff ever really has. The diversity was interesting this year because there was a lot of stuff that we sort of both thought was a bit too twee for us, Mm. but is sort of clearly hitting the people who are coming up through Adventure Time fandom, Steven Universe fandom, that sort of thing. And it's kind of good that 30-something white guys are being pushed out a little because... Room for everyone. Ain't all white guys. Yeah, not. Wait, if comics much. makes me feel super comfortable, then that's probably a problem. Yeah, it is. Honestly, they should give you paper cuts all the time. Mm, it's true. Even the digital ones. You can get to fuck stab wounds. Um, so what? What did you make of them books? What did I make of them books? So um, the woman who fell in love with the devil. I like that we've committed to sitting in the dark at this point. The lights have gone out. We're we're just sitting in the dark. I prefer the dark. <laughs> We know. We bought you those <laughs> you books. You bought me the comics. Um, it's a. It's nice. It's a um, interesting format. It's a little, little dinky book. A tiny little chapbook thing, isn't chapbook. it? Tiny chapbook. Um, yes. Uh, again, it's in a very, very similar vein. I would say to Red and to Emily Carroll. It's sort of fairy tale esque. Um, yeah. About a woman who's essentially. 
seduced and as part of that she kind of thinks she's going to end up happily ever after and instead she gets turned into a mouse and eaten. Which isn't great. Whoops. Yeah. We've all been yeah. there. We have all been yeah. there. A couple of bad OKC dates and you get turned into a mouse and eaten. Mm. I really like Isabel Green, but I mean she's done sort of much more advanced stuff like that. With Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia of Earth, yeah. yeah. That comic for Microsoft. Which we're not talking about. We're not talking about that. No, we had a look. We're not talking about it. Fair uh, enough. Um, no, it was good. Um, the Golden Cannibal Girl is about a group of friends who always go on holiday together to the same place at the seaside. It's sort of their, it's their happy place. They go back every year. Such memories. Oh, wow. Um, what a cabin. What a time. They stayed in every hotel. They vaguely expect the people to remember them. Sort of two couples and then another friend of theirs. And they turn up and it's sort of... It, stylistically, it's quite a lot like the Black Projects. It didn't really work in terms of visual art flow. It felt more like a lot of still images with mm. supporting text, which I'm, I'm down with. I, I'm not not down with because the whole visual flow thing is not exactly my friend. So. <laughs> um, this is nice and nice and gentle on the old courtesies. Um, anyway, so they, they keep getting these very, very polite inquiries and messages from a woman who we never properly see who's staying in a cabin near them to come over and help and when they go one at a time over to help they don't really come back this is interspersed with extremely sort of dark almost impossible to make out panels everything's on a sort of brownie grey background with a lot of them kind of dark ink work on the top um, but just sort of very oblique depictions of them being eaten by her mm. um, and it's, it's 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 trying to do one of those sort of I guess one shot seaside sinister something is slightly out of kilter at the, with the world but we're going to just carry on anyway and completely ignore it type of setups um, I don't know it kind of worked but it's... it it didn't have great flow and mm. To some extent, I couldn't entirely see what the point of it was. Think, Not that there needs to be one necessarily, but as sort of as a story, it felt it felt a little bit saggy and a little bit incomplete. That's fair. I think it appealed to me because it was exactly how my grandmother would have dealt with that situation. <laughs> yes, I know. Julia's not come back. Mm. Just sit and wait until she invites me over as well. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just it. I guess, why call it the Golden Cannibal Girl? Mm. Unless there's going to be more about the Golden Cannibal Girl. She was, apart from a sort of barely seen source of evil, she was kind of a, a bit part in her own story. Which was a shame, because I think there was more mileage there, potentially. Yeah. yeah. So then, who wins? This is gonna. This is, you're gonna be surprised, possibly. Is it the one you heavily criticised? Yes, it well, you is. You like actually. being unhappy, so. <laughs> <laughs> and no, my reason being, um, I very much enjoyed both, but the woman who fell in love with the devil was charming, but a little slight. It is slight. You'd be you'd be surprised how little you get for five pounds these days. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, whereas the Golden Cannibal Girl left me unsatisfied, but in ways that sort of intrigued me and made mm. me think. So, 
it wins by a margin, a very small margin. The um, the chap that does it has a few sort of shorts you can pick up on his website, and there are all these kind of, I would describe it as itchy vignettes, mm-hmm. like nasty little observations, not not as in mean spirited, just nasty situations and Grim. things, and just grotty urbanity. And Unpleasant. It's just, he's he's got an eye for the world that appeals to me, and it's sort of. Yes. Accepting grimness. Yes, no, that I, I very much... Uh, I've always had a very sort of deep love for just the worst bits of this country, the grey, mm. brutalist shopping precincts and the grim, greasy seaside towns out of seas mm. and all of that shit, and that kind of came mm. through in The Golden Candle Girl. Older group of friends sort of tutting over the fact that Bob hasn't come back whilst fully acknowledging that he's been eaten but having no way of describing it because they're so pinned to the surface of their social mores. Yes. Yes, they, they lack even the sort of internal conceptual language to deal with yeah. that, let alone the talking to each other about it language. Well, people, it's, it's time to wrap this the fuck up and um, I need to go and drink away my disappointment at losing out here. You can pizza. eat a pizza too, though. So you you're going to get a pizza? I'm going to yeah. get a pizza. I'm going to get a motherfucking calzone. But oh, first, yeah. before you get oh, pizza... yes. It's almost Christmas. And uh, it's time... It's, hail Krampus. Hail Krampus. Hail Krampus. Hail Krampus. It's time for us to do a special giveaway competition piece of bullshit. Our review of the year. Yes. As part of our review of the year, um, we are going to be reviewing one comic that doesn't exist yet. Uh, we want you to pitch us comics... Um, that don't exist that don't exist we're going to review them and the one that we like the idea of the best will win a prize which we think is probably going to be one of our comics of the year your choice Uh, but probably also some bespoke slash fiction Roger and Dave slash fiction written by me Artisan slash fiction written right here in Cambridge. Now, one of the one of the provisors of this is I never have to read or hear about this again. So if the it's going to be gentle, it's going to be PG thirteen at best, but it's going to be tender. If the person who wins oh. this tries to read it to any of us at any point, I will cut them. I'm going to put that in the contract that I can actually sever an artery. So yeah, the the idea here is that we we will do our normal best of the year rundown. We'll pick a few things we'll talk about, and we'll pick a best of the year. And one of the things we'll each run down, assuming there are enough suggestions, is our review of the comics you made up. Try and appeal to us. You know what we like. You do know what we like. Send us... You can... Cannibalism! All sorts of yeah, ways... Yeah, but also like mummies playing basketball. Yeah. All sorts of ways to get in touch with us. You can harangue us on Twitter. But the probably best way to send a selection... Uh, send um, send us your selection of ideas is info at consequential.net. This will all be in the show notes. So you can just click on it there and be whisked to a magical land of email because I know how to write a mail to link. Tap, tap, tap into tap, your tap, tap. email client. Lucy is demonstrating how to press a desk at the moment. Tappity, tappity with the ideas from your brain. Yeah. And then you get we the ideas them. from mine. Yeah. It's an equitable exchange. Info at consequential.net. Well, it's been lovely. Has it really? It's been super professional. It's been short. We've hardly been. We've hardly talked about anything. I don't think. I don't think it's going to feel short to the people who've been listening. Cause no, I don't... absolutely agree. But it's like quarter past seven. And I get a pizza. Yeah, I mean that's, that's pretty good. Mm. You get the wow. early cheese. I shouldn't have eaten all that semolina. And on that note, I bid you good night. Fairly well. <laughs>